you don't have to own what we're saying but what it is is to not plant a seed in you because it's already in you it's just to water that knowledge in you for you yourselves to grow Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around this big point of purpose in our lives. And I can't wait to continue amplifying Native voices. And how are you doing, Leah? What's going on? I am fine. It's um, <laughs> that was very monotone. <laughs> That's my robot voice. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. There's like just a million mosquitoes. They really get on my nerves. Oh man, there's already mosquitoes up there. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, they've been around. There's a ton of them, but the dragonflies are slowly coming out. So there's hope. But oh my goodness, it's tough. How are you doing, Cole? Good. There's not too many mosquitoes down in St. Louis Park just yet. Otherwise, um, you know, the wedding's fast approaching, and we're trying to, like, look at houses and stuff like that. Like, I don't even know why we're doing it. It's kind of nuts. But a good thing that came out of that is uh, our real estate agent, uh, who is Mille band member Bernie Johnson-Clark, she suggested our guest today, and I just wanted to thank her for that. Awesome. Our guest today is a great grandmother who uh, shares lessons and guidance. And her name is Mary Lyons. Mary Lyons is an Ojibwe elder of the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. She's a spiritual advisor, storyteller, activist, and wisdom keeper. She is the founder of the Minnesota Coalition on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. She serves as a counselor for the Women's Sobriety Group, which she also co-founded called Women of Wellbriety International. And she's also the author of a book published in 2018 called Wisdom Lessons, Spirited Guidance from an Ojibwe Great-Grandmother. And she's an international keynote speaker. Well, I look forward to talking with her. Thanks for joining. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Ani, bonjour. It's an honor to talk to you. It's nice meeting you. How did you come across me? Actually, my real estate agent, who is also a Mille Lacs Band member, uh, read your book and suggested that we talk to you. <laughs> that couldn't be my realtor. <laughs> is it Bernie? <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> Bernie sells <laughs> our house. <laughs> there you go. Buju, Mary, could you please introduce yourself and where you're joining us from? Oh, Buju, maybe you could introduce Nakaz. My name is Second Water Woman. I'm uh, Madewin, I'm Anishinaabe, Ojibwe First Nations, uh, Father's Side, Anishinaabe, uh, Ojibwe, Lishik Band of Ojibwe, on uh, my mother's state side. I am south of Minneapolis. I am on Dakota Territory, and um, it's good to join you. It's great to have you here. Um, so we like to always ask, like, how are you and, you know, your family doing, uh, you know, during the pandemic uh, 2022? Ah, uh, well, you know, the pandemic I thought was going to 
we've been through pandemics before, right? So nothing's really a great scare, especially to um, the original, the indigenous people in out there, because we have, uh, we're kind of the, the the last group of people to know anything. And we're kind of the last group of, or probably the first group of people to catch anything because we're not so uh, familiar or have that resistance within the, the global diseases in that there. So, I mean, you know, for people or um, indigenous people, especially our families to be quarantined, that's nothing new for us because recently we were just released from quarantine within, you know, the last hundred years, you know, uh, being put on a reservation lifestyle, being monitored here, you know, you're still even monitored by the Bureau of Indian Affairs and this stuff. So this isn't anything new to us. So having to go through this, it was wonderful, especially myself being um, in the climate justice world. You know, to me, it was, you know, less less cars, you know, there was less things happening. Mother, you know, so there was a lot of things that were happening. And for myself to be working on another novel, I kind of, that was probably about the difficulties for me because I kind of got stuck on it because it became really secondary to me. And uh, I just started enjoying, because we lived generational, four generations in our home, uh, tutoring the grandchildren and the great-granddaughter, doing more crafting, uh, going out and uh, doing more nature things, you know, being, being in the environment, you know, but yet being away from the populations and out there. And I think it was just time to really find balance again and to really examine where we're at in this planet and what we're doing as individuals, you know, that's either contributing either good to it or bad to it. And um, to really explain, explain to those young ones uh, how our traditions can never be lost. So we had this huge kind of refresher dialogue through these two years. And um, it, it was, it was really something because I got to really witness uh, my granddaughter's growing up before my very eyes because I travel a lot internationally. And that's the only time I see the growth spurts is if I'm gone and I come back and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're turning into women. So now I actually got to witness, you know, that that uh, upbringing. So for me, during this air was good and it was sour because, you know, I witnessed a lot of our our relatives passing on witnessed a lot of the uh, fallout in the aftermath of, um, you know, the January 6th in our last administration, you know, so it just seems like everything came to an explosion. And of course, after every explosion, there's always a cleanup. And then you may have some eruptions, you know, and so this all happened and it happened in such an abundance. And we got to really witness how society is looking at reality. And so that's, that's one really interesting point. We had another dialect in that there is because um, you know how most people, even yourself, including myself, anybody, I was saying, oh, I wish I had more time. Oh, I wish I didn't have to work so much. Wish I could just stay home. I wish I didn't have to do nothing. You know, we had this wish and so, so I told my granddaughters and anybody that was on Zoom, you know, when we put these wishes out to the universe, we got finally got it granted to us that wanted creator and everybody said, here it is. And then we didn't know what to do with that. So we have to really be careful what we wish for. But I think, you know, within this, this 
time where it stood still is that earth itself really had to remind each one of us within her breath of being to transmit either good or bad and this stuff that we are just mere little individuals in this planet and out there. So we have to start paying attention to how well we take care of our homes. It was a great reminder. Also, within this pandemic, we witnessed a lot of fear. Fear came from not be able to go out and there was lockdown. Fear from going into the grocery stores, you know, into Cobb, into Walmart, into the food house. And food and everything was vanishing off and there was no replacement. So people were panicking and they were, you could see them buying in bulk. And it was, it was you know, we watched this and my granddaughter said to me, well, Pookum, aren't you going to, get a few more items. And I said, no, honey. I said, you know what? We've got seeds and we've got the ground. We garden. Because, you know, I said, what people don't realize, I said, you know, 125 years ago or something, we never had a water bill. We never had electricity bill. We never had a gas bill. The people of the land here on Turtle Island, our, our grocery stores was the forest with the berries and, you know, and, we didn't go to the freezer part. We went fresh fish or, you know, we did community hunting and this stuff. And we, we made everything. We And so, no, we'll never go hungry. What we had to have them resonate with is that you have to be careful of your laziness. Because the laziness you trust in these cans and all this food that's brought into you, your drive throughs you know, I'm going to get this and get that, this, you know, just doing damage to your heart and out there, is that the marketing of human beings, of their needs, is so great that the commodity isn't like a new phone or something else. The commodity always has been human beings. And so you have to be careful what you walk into, who's going to manipulate you, you know, that, that game of monopoly. You have that choice of putting your foot in there. So you don't walk into it fear and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, all these cans of food's gone or all, all these spaghetti's gone in that there. No, you have to trust on what our ancestors provided for us because they never had this year and they lived through thousands of years. So, you know, don't show that fear. We'll never go hungry. So what's on your mind right now? Is there something that is resonating with you that you're thinking about and reflecting on? Yes. Well, we're all water carriers, right? Our bodies are made up of mostly water. And being with Daywin and our lineage line and our ancestral stories is that our creation stories, we believe we come from the stars, right? Our spirit meets with the creator and we have have this original agreement that we'll come to earth and come as a student, walk as a student, and leave as a student. And when we come, we enter our mother's womb and we swim in those oceans for up to nine months while she builds this beautiful blanket of a body around our spirit. And when we meet that day, that doorway, we take that first breath air and then we feel the warmth of the fire. And we nourish, we plant our feet on earth. You see, those are only four elements. Those four elements shows no prejudice. And everything within this planet depends on those four elements. And they said, you know, within part of the prophecies and part of our birch bark scrolls in that there, 
I'm very fortunate because my father was born in the late 1800s. His mother that I never met was 52 when she birthed him. And her mother was born in the late 1700s. That's, that's the only knowledge I have. I only got four generations within that lifespan. Well, three, my father and what he spoke of, of his mother and his grandmother. So in a lot of the teachings in this stuff, we n never had dialect of conversations. But one of the things was always kept to us is that if we stand within our balance and knowing who we are and honoring those elements, we will succeed as our ancestors succeeded. If you taint or disregard those elements, then you sever your own thread to move forward and you empty your bags of seeds to grow in the future. And he always spoke like that because he would never say what you wanted to hear. He never made life easy for you because he always said, don't walk in my shoes. I already know what that journey looks like. You know who we are and I wanna see you shine from a distance in your own moccasins. So he had such trust, but they said, you know, in those prophecies, they said, we'll be born in the purest of waters. And when we enter this world, we'll look for the most taintedest of wells. And that prophecy flips when you're nearing that eighth fire, but they don't speak of it like the eighth fire as everybody does now. They said there will come a time when you reach that doorway you can either go right or left, that you need to know who you are because your wells will be that flip. People will start to be born in the most taintedest of waters in the womb, and now they're looking for the most purest of wells, which means that when you were born in the beginning, you had purification of those waters, and when you enter this world, that enticement is alcohol and tainted waters. And now the wells that the spirits are born into, they're born into contaminated waters because of alcoholism and drugs and, you know, all of this stuff to disrupt your, your cloak of your body around your spirit. Nothing's wrong with your spirit. Your spirit's well, but it's this body that's damaged. And then you'll start looking for the most cleanest of waters where it reverses. And we're in that time because our water resources and this stuff is thinning. It's thinning because of greed and the contamination. Even though this planet is made up of so much water, it's a very small percentage of this water that Mother Earth entrusted to the human beings to see how well they would take care of it. And when people say, oh, we're killing this planet, that's a grandiose thought. That thinking comes from a hierarchy of greed. You can't, you can't kill her. I mean, Look at us little people to this massive planet, right? No, what we're doing is we're doing it to ourselves, but to make it feel powerful and more threatening is that we have to take that ownership. And so we're in this time. And if you look around in our communities in our indigenous communities and in our children and this stuff, we have so many fetal alcohol children out there. We have so many little innocents in this stuff that are struggling. We have so many of our communities in this stuff that are 
self-destructing. They don't even know that they have a choice to move from it. They just believe this is one lifestyle, that imprint of those first learnings when they first come in here. Instead of being a student and, and moving about and learning everything there is to learn in this time, they come and they mimic behaviors of destruction. And they end up dying, suicides, murder, you know, whatever it may be, dying of alcoholism, whatever it may be. But the thing is, their empowerment button is hidden so deep in them that they don't even know they have it there. So what we're witnessing is part of that prophecies because also within those original agreements is that not only is will come as a student, walk as a student, we're also the original gardeners of the lands creator entrusted us to live in. And if we don't take care of our gardens and know what those passages are, our trees and our plant life, and everything around, and if we ignore those, we're beginning to die a slow death of our future seeds. And that's why we say, you know, our seeds, we're spilling them all over here. So we'll have nothing to plant in the future. The other part of it too is that myself, we say within the we, we never say me, because me is so self-centered and selfish. It's the we because your spirit lives inside your body. But you, when you enter this, this space, this world, this water we all knew, know that has memory. And so every ounce of DNA is just like that download, just like this computers we're on. So when your spirit enters there, you get downloaded nine months of all your ancestry and anything that walked within this planet beforehand. So that's the way we see our ancestors are innocent. They're all around us. That is a ceremonial foundation. That is our structure. That is who we are as Anishinaabe people. And so this movement of what is happening is that it, it's almost like you can say uh, we have this super cocoon that is our spirit, you know, that takes care of us, but we're not taking care of that. And so we're falling and we're creating our own destructions. This is what is happening now, what you're seeing. No matter where you look or see, people only validate things if they see it on TV, right? Oh my gosh, it's happened. No, it happens every day. You know, the mass killing of kids, the mass killing of people, that's been going on since five, 600 years ago. And the thing is, if they really want to fix something, they could fix it. But people don't realize that now they're voluntarily being that commodity. They're on that factory belt of letting society imprint and tell them what they are to be like. And it's it's part of that water in that beginning, that contamination is that it kind of like numbs your whole thought process in that there. And, and what this does is it puts your spirit to sleep. And when your spirit's asleep, well, let's say you don't know who's dancing in your body because you do crazy stuff. You do things, you know. Just think 125 years, 150 years ago, all our people Never lived this way. And our people today, you know, they're tattooed up, gang signs. If not, you know, they took on a characteristic of uh, paying for four to six years of degrees of information that buries them so deep within thought so they can fit into a society 
a society that tried to whip them into shape to be like them, kill the Indian, save the man. So we bought into that system. We bought into not being who we really are. And we voluntarily chose to hide our empowerment button of who we are as individuals. So when we sit and we, we look around is that people are finding it hard these days just to be kind. And what that means is our seven sacred teachings in the Anishinaabe world, the grandfathers, the grandmothers' teachings and this stuff is flipping and it's starting to fade because love is no longer love. It's lust. Courage is threatening. Who says, quit looking at my man, quit looking at my woman, you know? This, this mentality within the sacredness of who we are as Indigenous people is being lost. We no longer have that freedom of saying, come on in, sit down, have a cup of coffee, have a meal with us. Because we carry so much fear because we don't even know if our people are going to come in and steal or rob from us or if they're on drugs or whatever it may be. So we're so guarded. So this is where this thinking of when you ask that question is that us elders, the wisdom keepers, we can say, be careful of the question you ask because you might not like the answer. You don't have to own what we're saying, but what it is is to not plant a seed in you because it's already in you. It's just to water that knowledge in you for you yourselves to grow. Does that make sense? We talk in riddles because we cannot give anybody the actual answer to a question they ask. A big part of our you know, show is finding purpose and uh, finding your place. Uh, you, you know, I've heard you talk about gardens and finding you know, maybe the wrong garden and, and, and trying too many places. I'm just curious about your, your thoughts on that. Well, there's two components to that. You know, your garden is, is your homelands where creator put you, right? You are the caretaker of these lands, which we can ask kids today, you know, what is this and what is that and what is your plant life and this stuff? And they kind of just look at you like, but it doesn't mean they don't want to learn. But you have to build their curiosity up. You have to pull them back in because, and I think this is one form you can say, because these little individuals are our seeds of our future. You see, I was blessed to be with my mother my grandmother and my great-grandmother. And now I'm with my daughter, my granddaughter, and my great-granddaughter. And who, who, within my teachings of my ancestor, my family line, is that's the way we explain seven generations. You can't think seven generations ahead if you don't know what seven generations were in the past. But even though those teachings are accurate and they're right, no matter who teaches it, it's how it's explained. You see, I can carry the knowledge of my great-grandmother to my great-granddaughter. So this is that seed. When you're harvesting that seed is the knowledge that I can reassure you that when my great-granddaughter sits in the seat where I'm at and she talks about me as her great-grandmother to her great-granddaughter or grandchild, is that she's that preservation, that seed keeper, that that knowledge keeps moving forward of who we are 
as the original gardeners, as Anishinaabe people of this land. And you can't forget really who we are, and especially when you speak about in the gardens and the nourishment and that there, you have to maintain knowledge. You can't initiate protocol of taking and planting something if you don't maintain that knowledge of why it is to be. Because as long as you maintain that knowledge that is awakened, everybody has it, mind you. Everybody has it, but it has to be awoken inside of you. It's there. It's, it, it's planted in you. You can't run away from who you are. It's there. Your ancestors are in you and they're all around you and you're just waiting to wake up. So people think of when we speak of seeds, is this is a nourishment of, of keeping our knowledge alive to be those good caretakers within this planet because we come as a student, walk as a student, we live as a student. And so there's that protocol of maintaining for our future to keep going. Even if there was a group of 10 people and they never birthed a child even within them, we as Anishinaabe individual people, we have relatives that exceed beyond our DNA and we grasp and we take them in us and they become our family, that they will carry that knowledge forward. Because we came as caretakers. We are not to be landlords here. Mm -hmm. A lot of young people get kind of confused on that because they think, well, I'm carrying the future. Well, what do you say to a person that can't have children? That's mm -hmm. a grandiose thought. It's that knowledge of how you be that good caretaker instead of that landlord is to keep producing that goodness forward. You can't fall asleep, or at least we no longer can be asleep because look what's happening. So it's clear that passing that goodness forward is an extremely important thing in your life. What inspired this passion? What, what led you down the, the path you're on? I was born into it as everybody was. My father and my grandfather and my elders, it, it wasn't let's sit down and let's talk and do teaching. This was just a way of life for us. We never said, oh, here comes a white person or here comes a black person. It was always, oh, someone's coming. Let's feed them. See, we never felt victim to a polished uh, Anglo hierarchy or any hierarchy and because we weren't meant to be that way. So when you adapt to that world, then it starts to be easier and comes natural for you to fall in. And that's where we say, you're willingly killing the Indian just to be in a pair of shoes you were never intended to wear. You can say even the thing, what happened is, you know, my granddaughter taught me really something. But, you know, when I was younger, we, I've never heard those expressions when I was a little girl. Oh, here comes a white person, here comes a black person. Never, never heard that. That was just kind of built in probably on the... 50s and 60s, or even in the hierarchy when they even told us of my father would say when he was a little boy and this stuff, it was always maintained when they were corralled. Listen to this when they were corralled, that they even called natives black people 
and reminded them that they were, and that was a hard dialect of learning. But my father and them said, it's not what you paint the color of a person. That's putting blindfolds on. It's you have to be human to human, person to person, breath to breath, to appreciate this life. And I kind of forgot about that, you know, being in the movement, all these movements that's happening through <laughs> marching and carrying on, and you know. Anyways, one day, I don't know what it was, but really there was something that was just annoying and just crazy. I, I couldn't even remember what it was, but I said this. I said, God, when are those white people going to learn? But it was the tone I took it in. And I happened to look over across the table. My great-granddaughter was sitting there, and she had her head down. I said, what's wrong, my girl? And she looked at me, and she said, you only love part of me. Hmm. Because, see, she has many, many rivers inside her. So we have to be very careful that we stay out of that labeling and that separation of humanity. We know who we are as indigenous peoples. We, that's kind of like saying, there were six grandmas there and I'm the best one. You five go away. To my granddaughter, to my great granddaughter. No, they're all beautiful people and they all share something. And that's you, my girl, I said to her. So I'm bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so happy you were my teacher today. You needed to remind me that I fell in some shoes where my feet don't belong. And that's called racism, prejudice, and I apologize. You see, we have to pay attention because we have to go back into those four elements because those four elements makes the oneness. There is no hierarchy in those four elements. They show us no prejudice. None whatsoever. We all depend on it. Everything in this planet. So we have to get back to the basics to start appreciating this very short life, even if we live to be 100. But we have to remember, even my father, and mind you, nobody will say, my grandmother, my father's mother, was 52 when she had my father. And her mother was in her 50s because they lived to be 110. That was a healthy way. They could bear children that time. But we're so busy thinking, no, you've got to have kids when you're teenagers. No, you've got to live life. This is why our grandchildren are raised by their grandparents or their great-grandparents. They might be all living together. But you can't teach common sense if they haven't developed common sense on these young parents. You know, you've got babies raising babies, trying to do the best they can. But if you take a look around in your communities and everything around that's when you don't have to get permission from anybody. You can say to yourself, how well did we do? As even for humanity, even for tribesmen, tribal people, how well did we do? And it's sad. We are our own worst enemy right now because we, we're trying to find our balance again. So anyways, on the lighter side, and stuff, I bet you didn't think you were going to get this heaviness. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I was actually going to ask you about that because uh, 
I've, I've heard you talk about the importance of humor, you know, and not, not being serious all the time. Humor is life. Uh, could you could you talk on that for just a little bit? Medicine, good medicine. You need to, I tell you, the funniest people in the world are indigenous people, are, are <laughs> native people in here because it's like we could make something so stupid the funniest thing on there because we were always taught to laugh with one another, mm-hmm. not at another person. This is what makes us unique because we know it's good medicine because what happens when you laugh or, you know, you can say something that's so silly that, you know, everybody in that room can be silly and they know there's no harm, but you can sit and laugh and giggle in this stuff or whatever it may be, but it makes you feel so good. But the other part of it too is the kindness rings within us because we can be walking around and smiling to somebody because you resonate that good energy out of you, right? Everybody knows a person that they love being around. Even if they don't really know them, it makes them feel real comfortable, right? And so this is what we try to do is to try to make people comfortable. You don't have to fear me, but the best way you can do it is if you get that, that humor out of them. You know, everybody has something silly to say, you know. People will always ask me questions. I mean, I was at, in Scotland, at COP, at a, at a, at a very important meeting, and out there, they were just being too serious. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, you could just cut it with a knife. It was, so it was my turn to get up and speak, and I went up there, and they were just, you know, some of them were just about ready to, you know cut the legs off a building and I mean, yeah, you know, slice and dice up all the justice. And they were so immersed in that, that somebody had to break it. So I went up and I said, you people in the front row, I want to apologize to you right now if I spit on you because I don't wear teeth. Oh. And I started talking really loud. <laughs> I don't wear hearing aids. So I started explaining all who I am as this indigenous woman. And they're like, looking at me like, what? And we just went into this this whole thing, and we just, everybody just broke up. We, we were laughing so mm. hard. But we said, you know what? You even have to be careful because when you get that serious, you don't know who that cloak is that's giving you that seriousness for you to step on your own nails within your own feet and this stuff. So you've got to have humor. You've got to bring yourself back to the realities of that we are of the oneness. Even if a person is so angry and you just can't stand that person and that they're whatever it may be. But if you peel all that layers of crap off them, there's this innocence that is just waiting to come out. And so even if they see that happiness in that there, that is even showing them a little tiny light to their empowerment button. So it's very important to be like that. It's very important not to take things so serious or you're going to make people fear you or look up to you. So we always say, don't be putting us on pedestal. For Christ's sake, it's going to take us a long time to get off those things. <laughs> eye to eye, this is who we are. Breath to breath, this is who we are. Hug to hug, this is who we are. If you put us up on those pedestals, you're showing me your laziness, and I'm not going to do the work for you. Go away. Give some time to think about it because we believe in those other people. But in the meantime, you have to have that humor. I don't care where you go. 
is you can be sitting there and something somebody will come up and crack something. Somebody will just slice that seriously <laughs> stuff with some jokes or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like to me, I love sitting and I like laughing in this stuff. But when it comes down to seriousness, I, I bring it in and remind them of this is the breath and we do exercises. And it's very important that not only that they've got this humor, this power of humor and this stuff, because to even to heal themselves, but to, it's kind of like uplifting them when they were stepped on for decades. And it's almost like a cleansing, a shower to, to, to bring you back up again. It's powerful. Laughter is powerful. Humor is powerful. Smile is powerful, you know? And you need that because you don't know who might be looking at you. Even if somebody's grabbing and looking, they go, what are you looking at? You know? <laughs> and that's when you can see I'm looking at somebody pretty awesome. Even if you believe it or not, just keep walking. You don't have to have a conversation with them. They can flip you off and tell you to F off in this stuff or whatever. And that's okay, too. Because I have to remind, I work with those individuals, too. Is that you scream and yell at me and flip me off in this stuff? I want to say right now, thank you. Because this is probably the one of the most honorable things you can give me and show me. And that's your pain. You trusted me with your pain. Yeah, sometimes you don't think about that when you're getting... If somebody's being upset, mad, is that they're showing you their pain. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something to be very aware of. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate this conversation because it's really lovely to hear what you're thinking about these, you know, at this time and really appreciate kind of the energy of what's happening now and bringing that to our conversation instead of some like previously designed notion of what our conversation should be. I'm curious if you have some final thoughts or anything we want to make sure to talk about Um, while we have you here with us. Well, listen, I didn't come up saying I wanted to buy this book. I got so sick and tired of my daughters and everybody. And traveling, they'd Mm. say, what was that lesson you said? I'm going, oh, God. You know, hit a recording, you know, know, because, you know, elderly people get a little crabby. And then sometimes I don't remember. But I journaled throughout my lifetime that I had this one friend that I trusted, I had some other publishing companies, pretty big names that wanted to come in and it really enticed me with some really healthy money in that there, but I didn't trust it. They wanted me to sign this stuff. I said, no, no, because you know, they're giving away this free. This is not my intentions of selling it. I had to sit in with knowledge keepers and that there and sat, sat with other. But the thing is what convinced me was individuals like that were in prisons foster care kids that were removed, you know, whatever it may be of why they were alone is that I, at least I have memory of my father telling me, you know, don't follow in my footsteps. You know enough. I want to witness you in your shoes and to show them that empowerment button. So my one friend, she kept saying, I've got these all from all these years, you know, just people. She goes, you really need to. And I said, no, I don't really need to hand them out. I didn't care. And sobriety is really important to me because I have over 40 years. So it was really important that it focused around water right now in those teachings to help individuals build and find their empowerment button and to 
find the realities of life in that there. So I said, you pick them out. So I said, you get a young person with you to go through them. And they picked his selection of this book out. I said, I don't want it to be read from the beginning and you have to read it to the end. You should have this to open anywhere where you will be able to read this when you need to read it. And, and not for myself or my ancestors, like telling you what to do. It's, it's like a picture of water when you're thirsty to nourish you so you can grow from it. You can grow from it. You can, you can have something. So that was it. Um, we did that. So whatever the teachings were at that, it was, wasn't these teachings are telling you what to do. It's to awaken you, to awaken your thoughts of your possibilities, to empower you to move forward within your truth. And it's okay to be angry. It's okay to do this and it's okay to do it because those are just the movement, emotional movements of this character building throughout time, but to never forget really what those first teachings are. And to also remind them too is who the real you are is that spirit inside you. It's not this body. This body is like a cloak to our spirit, the real us. You know, when you first are a little kid and you see somebody you really liked, you didn't think, oh, geez, I think I really like this person. You felt it in your stomach. You got all nervous and upset. And then even when you get scared, you don't think, oh, my gosh, I'm really scared and stuff. No, you get really nervous in the stomach and out there. Or whatever, it hits you in the center. That's the real you. So this was the whole thing is that's what we say in that empowerment button, really in the button, it's you, it's your spirit, and for you to move in this world. So this just kind of like it helps you as a jumpstart. You can argue with the situation or whatever it may be, but it's to have a conversation with yourself to build you up or, you know, even some of these little kids not even knowing why their parents and this stuff chose alcohol over them. But there's even something greater than the alcohol because there's this huge story of indigenous people. It's like we're the last group within here is that we suffered such horrific Holocaust. And then we couldn't even practice and start healing legally until 1978, until the Freedom of the Indian Religious Act happened. So the horrors that happened to us, we had to hold inside and live through this living nightmare and alcohol was introduced. So any ways to numb the horrors of what they faced and felt became a generation gap within such a short period that we have to remind them that we were stronger. So within part of it, we teach our children is that when you get up in the morning, you make your bed real good, put your pole down, tap it four times, miigwitch, 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 miigwitch. Be grateful for what you have because our ancestors walked thousands of miles with thousands of years, took thousands of breaths, drank thousands of water for us to live in the place we live in now. They never had a bed what we have today. They moved around. They had to clean up their area so nobody would find us in this stuff so we could be having this breath and enjoying what we're enjoying today. So you say your thank yous to them. 
enjoy their journeys and respect their journeys and the stuff for them that got us here today to have that good eight hours of rest. Can you tell us what the, uh, the title of the book is? It's just Wisdom Lessons. And you've got Emma, the beautiful face in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this has gone around the world uh, to many teachings. And I was really grateful. Like I said, you know, it's always good to have it um, in the, the libraries or, you know, whatever it may be, you know. And my movement of that book was I usually hand it out and I always say, read it and it resonates with you. All I ask you to do is buy 10 books, hand those 10 books to your friends that you know might need them or to somebody that may night. Sometimes even maybe even just have a book club of, you know, of some of your friends that are, are having some disparities. It's not telling you what to do, but it brings a conversation of nurturing that love and caring and this stuff that they're meaning because of so many people that are depressed, you know, and so many parents and so, so many people that have lived through such modern day horrors of watching, you know, the COVID deaths of their families and the suicides and, you know, whatever it may be in this stuff is that we need to bring back and to find our balance. And we need to meet one another with that, that loving nourishing of that humanity sense, you know, into that, we shouldn't have to say, you know, who are you or what is this and that there. You should be able to meet and greet with a smile and that there. That's just one tool that, you know, we use. So I always say, you know, whatever's going to resonate you. And I always encourage others to journal their own thoughts of what got them through a time because you'll never know if it's a short story of how it's going to help them and open the door or turn on a light for somebody that needs it. So did you say you were ordering a hundred? There you go. I said, my encouragement is I like supporting native American businesses and I birch bark books has it. And I'm trying to really push for small indigenous book companies, gift shops and stuff to hold it in there. So I can refer them into those areas because they go for my book. They'll buy something else, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to, to encourage small businesses in that there instead of this conglomerate of where it's being shipped from. I just had one last quick thing. I know uh, I, I haven't bought my 100 copies just yet, but I saw that your prayer of choice in the book, it struck me. I think it's in the first part. And it's, may I close my eyes, feel my spirit soar, and I know that I will make my relatives proud of the choices I make today. Yes. Why did you choose that as uh, you know, the prayer of choice? Because I carry their breath. I carry their well, their water. I carry their flame. And they're in me and they're all around me. Chimi Guaych, for your time today. Uh, obviously, we could get into so much more. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, well, Guaych. welcome to visit Gigawaba Men. Yeah. I'm going for okay. supper. Excellent. Welcome. I'm Bay Men. Thank you to great grandmother Mary Lyons. She is an elder from Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe spiritual advisor, activist, wisdom keeper, storyteller, and author of a book called Wisdom Lessons, Spirited Guidance from an Ojibwe Great-Grandmother. And we'll have that in the show notes. I'm Leah Lem. I'm Cole Primo. Miigwech for listening. Giga Giga Wabamen. Wabamen.
Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. 